For Seagulls fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Brighton videos and podcasts, download the free BHA Seagulls app now from the App Store and Google Play. for all those up Swindon fans but you're not there yet and it goes oh it's gone in Richard left foot is what a volley it's the stuff of champions it's the stuff of dreams and Donate races it on goal and Donate 3-0 the Amex goes wild what a goal could be in. Snake from Tompkins. What a goal from Glenn Murray. He's hardly had a touch. On he'll go. Michael Smith. Into what he's Hello and welcome to episode 66 of Together, a Brighton & Hove Albion podcast. Uh, we are here post-Everton pre-Villa. Um, and new decade has began. Uh, we started off by taking some points off of Chelsea for the first time in our history. Um, and of course, we have never won away against Everton uh, in any competition ever. We drew two, uh, lost five. Um, and today we will not be discussing uh, any change in the status quo there um, after getting beaten 1-0 yesterday um, by the Blues. So, well, the Toffees, I suppose. Um, but... You know, there was a lot of things um, going into this game, similarly to a couple of the other ones recently, where it's really not looking uh, looking in our favour. Um, the home side generally tends to be the uh, the dominant one for Everton and Brighton. Home side has never lost in the last five Premier League meetings between us two. Uh, obviously, the Toffees won both games at Goodison Park, um, and we've won the last couple and took a draw as well. So the home team, uh, depending on who it is, generally always comes away with uh, a good a good record against the opponent against the opposing players um and they're also not an easy team to score against uh everton have kept nine clean sheets now in their last 15 home premier league games uh they are not a bad side at home uh even under marco silva they were not bad at home it was away there were terrible um and you know our away record uh although we look to be playing better which which we are um, I believe, truly believe we are playing better. Um, our away record is still atrocious. Um, you know, we've lost five of our last seven Premier League away games. Um, and since the start of the 2017-18 season, we have lost more top flight away matches than any other club. We've hit 30 defeats. Um, not good. You know, there's a lot of things that we need to do uh, to get better. And there's a lot of reasons why um, I think we went and lost yesterday. Uh, but I think the biggest thing for me has to be the way we set up. So I figured we may as well just get straight down to it here uh, and take a look at the the lineup we went out with yesterday um, and take a look at why I believe that was the, the biggest reason we came away with nothing at all. Um, so Everton set up in a 4-4-2 formation. Um, they played with two out-and-out wide men with Bernard and Walcott. Uh, Bernard is someone I've never really been a fan of. Um, I don't think he's very good, uh, but I thought yesterday he was outstanding. Um, and they weren't afraid to come in come in from out wide uh, because with Luca Dina and uh, Sidibe, who were both happy to come and, come and overlap, 
uh, we were left in a situation where we were outnumbered almost everywhere on the pitch. So we lined up in a 3-4-3, perhaps a 5-2-3, depending on how the game played out. Uh, And it certainly felt more of a 5-2-3 than anything else. Um, And the reason I think that we were really screwed from the outset was because we seemed stretched everywhere on the pitch. Um, And I'll say that because... When we had the three at the back, uh, we had Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin uh, to be marked by Webster, Duffy, and Dunk, right? Cool. The problem was, is we had Sigurdsson sitting him right, bef- right behind them, and David Dale Stevens had an absolute nightmare of a game. Um, so we were left in a situation where we were outnumbered uh, at the back with just the three at the back, and we had three coming straight at us. Then out wide, um, we could not attack or defend effectively out wide, uh, because we were outnumbered almost at every chance we had. So Montoya at right wing back was outnumbered constantly um, because Bernard and Dina were all over him. Um, and, you know, if Webster went out to support him to then take out Bernardo Dina, that enabled Sigurdsson, Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin to then be three on two. Same problem on the other side. Bernardo was outplayed constantly because he was having to deal with Theo Walcott and Sidibe. We had totally lost the midfield battle because of this. We had no way to really combat them either way. It's it's It was one of the strangest sights I've seen in a while to see a team play three at the back with two wingbacks. And not only did we look beaten in the midfield, we looked beaten out wide. We looked totally stretched at all times. Um, and, you know, we never looked comfortable on the ball. And the biggest reason that I believe that all of these things happened. We looked outnumbered at the back. We looked outnumbered out wide. We lost the midfield battle. Truly, I believe the reason this happened is because of the way we played our front three. Mopai, Jahanbaksh, and Trossard. We chose to keep all three of them up the pitch yesterday uh, and did very little defensively. If you take a look at uh, Jahanbaksh and Mopai and excuse me, Trossard's heat maps, uh, they barely come back into their own half to defend. Uh, they are almost constantly um, in the opposition half. I'm going to post an image before this uh, this podcast is released to kind of show you what I mean. Um, so head over to the Twitter feed. Uh, it will be from Sunday's post and you'll be able to see the average player positions. Um, and all three of them were clearly asked to stay up. Uh, and, you know, I'm assuming that the intent was to play a counter-attacking game um, similar to the way we played against uh, Tottenham and Watford and a couple of the others. The problem was is we lacked uh, we lacked the pace and we lacked the midfield know-how. Um, Dale Stevens was a big problem there. Uh, I thought he looked incredibly weak um, and he didn't really do a great deal on the ball. Uh, he's He had a terrible game, honestly. Um, I thought he could have done a lot more um, you know, his past success percentage was only 67%. Um, I thought he was, I thought it was poor. Um, and I think he could do a lot better than he did. Um, you know, it was, it was a game for him to forget. Uh, and you know, we'll have to see how he goes going forward. Um, he's not getting any younger. He's just turned 30, I believe. Um, a lot of people have wanted him out for quite a lot of time. Um, but I thought he's actually been one of the players that have kind of, grown under Potter quite a lot at the beginning of the season but over the last couple of weeks um, he has definitely fell off somewhat 
Um, and it's really starting to show now, uh, especially when he was replaced for Alzate um, on about 68 minutes or something like that. Um, I thought he looked, we looked like a totally different midfield. Um, yes, of course, Everton sat back at this point and were kind of trying to defend a lead. Uh, but I thought that we were a much better side with Alzate in it. Um, and proper looked more comfortable too. So it's going to have to be something that Graham Potter thinks upon here uh, very, very deeply because Dale Stevens has been a mainstay in that midfield for a long time. Potter has also stated how important he is to his midfield for a long time. Although, of course, as a manager, you're not going to say he's not someone you want to keep, you know. But, you know, he is someone that can do a great job for a team. Um, just whether or not he's going to be able to make that next step up uh, I'm not convinced right now, uh, just based on the kind of the last four weeks of play. Um, and of course, the, the front three, uh, Trossard, we need to talk about Trossard a little bit, um, but we'll get onto that in kind of that player uh, analysis. Um, but we were beaten pretty much all over the pitch yesterday. Um, looking at the overarching stats, total shots, they had 14 to our nine. Uh, we had six, sh they had six shots on target to our two, just a solitary two on target. Um, of course, that doesn't include the uh, the bar rattler from Trossard. Um, but still, you know, it's it was a point without much argument that we, we didn't do a great deal with the ball um, when we had it in attacking positions. Um, they had a 79% pass success rate to our 74. That's incredibly low for us. Um, you know, we, we are much better than that, um, but we did not do very well yesterday. They even won the aerial battles 17 to 16. Uh, they won more tackles than us, uh, 22 to 14, like quite comfortably. Um, they had more corners than us, four to three, uh, and we would dispossess a lot more than them, uh, nine times to their seven. This is a team that, you know, they were they were always going to backlash, right? We expected it. Um, it was a team that had just been beaten quite comfortably by Liverpool's kind of whatever they were, like under-22 team or something um, in the cup in the middle of the week, um, or rather the weekend at the FA Cup. And Ancelotti and the players and the fans expected a backlash and it's just typical that it had to be us that the backlash hit um you know it was always going to be a problem for us uh, as soon as that all happened but that we could have done a lot better um and i think the way we set up our shape um we we just enabled ourselves to get beaten all over the pitch i thought that the Everton side yesterday did an incredibly good job in beating us all over the place. Uh, Richarlison, for however much I dislike him as a person, slash, like, attitude, I guess, on the pitch, um, he, you know, he tore us apart. Calvert-Lewin caused us all sorts of problems. Um, Bernard was excellent. Even Walcott caused us issues all day. Uh, I thought that, you know, they set up to beat us comfortably um, in almost every single aspect, and they did. And we lost immediately um, on the shape and it's something that you know I hope that Potter is going to learn from and make sure that we don't make the same mistake twice because it's not good enough um, and with these next six coming up which we'll talk about shortly you know these are uh, these are games that are, are, are crucial um, so looking at the at the kind of the individual stats of who stood out both for better or worse I suppose um, we'll take a look 
Again, like I said, I thought Richarlison was excellent. Um, he really ruled the roost against us yesterday. Uh, but first things first, let's give a shout out to Matty Ryan. Um, five saves, thought he was excellent. Um, really commanded his area very well for someone who everybody likes to point out is quite short. <laughs> um, but I thought he was I thought he was really good yesterday. Um, and he did just about everything he could to keep us in the game. And, you know, it's worth remembering, he's only 27, Matty Ryan. Um, if we stay up, he he is probably our number one goalkeeper for the, for the foreseeable, um, unless somebody bigger than us signs him, you know. Uh, so keep on doing what you're doing, Matty. Um, I think he's doing incredibly well. Um, and he's, you know, he has grown an awful lot under Potter in terms of a distributing goalkeeper. He was excellent. Um, 43 touches yesterday, generally very good. Um, and, you know, you love to see it. Uh, so, of the other players, um, I thought Lewis Dunk was okay yesterday. Um, you know, he, he kind of tried to lead from the back, but he always seemed to be in a lot of trouble um, with Theo Walcott next to him. Uh, I thought that Bernardo was incredibly poorly kind of put out there on his own yesterday. I felt bad for him. Uh, Dave, Davey Proper, I thought actually was pretty good. Um, I thought he did everything he could to try and win that midfield battle, but with Dale Stevens next to him, he really struggled. Um, you know, we it's tough to even pick out too many good moments for us because, you know, there wasn't much to talk about. Um, Martin Montoya had a 95% pass accuracy rate. Cool. Um, 34 touches of the ball. That's actually really impressive. Uh, but everybody else was in the 70% and worse. You know, when Dale Stevens is having 54 touches of the ball, um, which is amongst the most, you know, like it's in the top five, top six, and his pass accuracy is 66.7%, um, that is atrocious. That is very much unlike him um, and unlike everybody else, really, to be that bad. Uh, I thought Jahan Baksh was incredibly disappointing, but again, I think that's the way we set up. Um, we didn't really give him a chance to come on and cause problems. Mopai looked isolated and quite annoyed by the end of the game. Um, and Trossard. So let's talk about Trossard, shall we? Um, because I've seen him getting a lot of stick. Uh, looks like he may be the next scapegoat for the Albion faithful uh, if he keeps going on the way he is. Because uh, it looks like Webster has dragged himself out of that pit of despair. Uh, Leandro Trossard, defensively, anonymous. Did absolutely nothing yesterday. Uh, is what people are saying. Uh, didn't contribute to the defending. Um, didn't come back enough. And you're right, he didn't. He his heat map shows it. Um, but he did actually contribute uh, tackles wise. He made two total tackles, a successful interception, and two two clearances. Um, that is more than Dale Stevens. That is more than Ali Razor Yahambach. That is more than Neil Mopai. Uh, that is more than Adam Webster. You know, this is a player more than Martin Montoya. Uh, this is a player that although you're not seeing it a lot, is doing a half-decent job. Um, and attacking-wise, he was the only one, really, who looked like causing them problems, you know? He ended up with two shots, uh, one key pass, rattled one off the bar, um, and that last 15 minutes when Everton started to sit back and we were really given a lot of space out wide, uh, Trossard was the one who looked like he was going to make something happen. Um, I've seen a lot of arguments saying that he may well just be an impact player. I'm not sure that's quite right in my opinion, of course. Just my opinion. Um, I think he's got something that a lot of the players don't have. Uh, I think the way we're utilizing him is wrong right now. Um, that formation was set up never to really... It was a rough formation yesterday. Uh, like I've said a couple of times, I think it was set up for us to get beat. Um, in the end, we lost that. 
that formation battle from the very beginning. And, you know, it was it was always going to be tough for him. But when he's asked to kind of sit on the halfway line, um, contribute little at the back and just go forward as much as you can and we're not getting the balls forward because our midfield is being constantly beaten, um, you know, what are you supposed to do? So I thought he was unfortunate yesterday. And he's also a player that hasn't had um, a lot of straight starts. And, you know... Every player needs a lot of starts. You know, he's played eleven. He's played eleven games now, um, five from the bench, and you know he needs more constant playing time. Um, he took. He's he's a solid player. We all saw that in preseason. We all see that now. Um, but he's someone that you know he's not getting quite enough game time yet. He needs more starts. Um, he's only had three three consecutive games on the bounce all season actually. Um, and that's the recent ones, the win against Bournemouth and the draw against Chelsea and the win against uh, loss against Everton. So, you know, I think he needs to keep going. Uh, I think we need to just chill out a little bit on kind of keeping him back. Um, but I think we just need to use him better uh, and use our shape better because I think we're we're suffering in that aspect. Um, and hopefully we can, you know, push on and do something a bit more useful against Villa. So talking of Villa, um, this is really where we need to go next because... These next couple of weeks are just beyond important. Um, I'm currently talking to you right now uh, with 25 minutes gone in the Aston Villa game, um, and they are being comfortably beaten by Manchester City already, 2-0. You love to see it. Um, but we are a team that really is shaped on our next six games. So our next six games are at home to Aston Villa, away at Bournemouth, who just got comfortably dispatched today, by Watford, uh, away at West Ham, a team that, sure, uh, they have a new manager in, and yes, he knows how to get results, um, but, you know, they did just get beat uh, by Sheffield United quite comfortably, um, and, you know, that one win against uh, Bournemouth, you know, who are terrible at the minute, isn't really an indicator as to whether they're going to turn it around. So, uh, at home to Villa, away at Bournemouth, away at West Ham, at home to Watford, away at Sheffield United, whose home record is, as we just spoke about a couple of weeks ago, um, nowhere near as impressive as their away as their home record, as their away record. Sorry, good grief, I keep saying different things. Um, Sheffield United's home record is nowhere near as impressive as their away record. There we go. I got it. Uh, played 11, won 5, drawn 2, lost 4. Um, they are very little difference between them and us uh, at home. But, you know, looking at our away, uh, our away record, I wouldn't uh, hold up too much hope about us getting something there. Um, and then, of course, at home to Palace. Um, these are three games. These three home games are all should be considered must-win for us. Um, home to Villa, home to Watford, home to Palace. Yes, I understand that Nigel Pearson has turned Watford around and they're playing a lot of good stuff and they're getting results. Um, but they're also playing teams in and around them that are on terrible streaks. Streaks. Um, and we can't allow ourselves to be caught up in that melee come the end of the season. And these six games are going to be the indicator as to whether we will or not. Um, they're all six pointers. You know, these are all games where we can really kind of decide our own fate. Um, and we should be coming into this run of games expecting results. Um, not hoping. I think we need to expect them. Um, you know, I think we can... I'm hoping for 10 points or more. Uh if we come away from this set of fixtures with less than eight or eight or less, I'm incredibly concerned um, going into the final run of the season. Um, a lot of people are saying we probably need 40 points to be safe this year. I still think 38 will be enough. 
Um, and if we can come away with 10 points in our next six, um, you know, that would put us on 34 points and four points from safety, in my opinion. Um, and for those asking, where are those, you know, where are those 10 points going to come from? Well, if we can beat Villa and we beat Watford and we beat Crystal Palace all at home, there's nine already. Um, a draw at Bournemouth or West Ham or Sheffield United gets us there, you know, and that's more than doable. You know, we could even, if we have a good run, we could even get more than that. Um, you know, 12 points I don't think is an insane thing to hope for when we have Villa, Bournemouth, Watford and Palace. Um, that is 12 points that are very much in the air for us to grab. Um, and I hope we turn around and do that. You know, we, we have a lot of work to do um, and Villa are not the best team in the world, uh, either home or away. Um, so, you know, it's going to be an easy one to kind of roll in there and start getting depressed about. But we need to uh, we need to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, as they say, um, and get moving because Villa's away record is not impressive. Um, they have played 11, won two, drawn one, lost eight. Only Norwich are worse away from home this year. Um, they are terrible away from home. They are a team that we need to be looking to take over um, and really get a decent result against. Uh, they have scored 14 goals in their 11 away games, 44% uh, possession, only 77% pass percentage, 11 shots per game. This is not a team that are incredibly good um, with, you know, their home, re their away record. And it's one that we need to be capitalizing on. You know, this is we're we're a much better team than they are um, at home. And I think we we if we lose this, I, I would be inclined to say we're in big trouble. Um, because that's six points that we can't afford to have swing their way. So obviously they're being absolutely hammered today um, and they've lost Wesley uh, because it's 3-0 already. <laughs> um, they've lost Wesley pretty much the rest of the season, who's a big loss for them. Uh, he has already uh, given them five goals for the season um, and has you know, given a lot of outlet to Jack Grealish um, and there's not much more else for them. They're currently playing with two up front today with El Ghazi and Grealish. They're playing with two wingers up front. Um, Danny Drinkwater is playing in their midfield today. I haven't watched any of this game, so I don't know how he's doing. Um, but, you know, McGinn was one of their best players um, and one of their better players against us. So he's going to be a big miss as well. Things we need to watch out for. Uh, they are pretty strong attacking down the wings, or they used to be. Um, of course, if they start with two wingers up top, probably not so much. Um, scoring from direct free kicks is a big thing for them. Uh, and they're pretty good at creating scoring chances in general. So we shall see if we can hold them in check uh, next Saturday. They are terrible against defending against skillful players. Uh, they are terrible about avoiding fouling in dangerous areas. Um, and they do not protect a lead incredibly well. Um, and they are atrocious at defending counter-attacks. They are awful at defending set-pieces, um, and just being able to avoid individual basic errors um, is a big reason why Villa have really not done anything of note this season. Um, a lot of their players struggle um, to not make those kind of individual silly mistakes. You know, Matt Target, uh, Courtney House, um, you know, even Jack Grealish makes a whole bunch of stupid decisions sometimes. Um, it's going to be a uh, it's going to be a big game, and this is a game where I I hope that everybody shows up to the Amex, uh, gives it their all, are in good voice, um, and work to kind of you know put some points up um, and get those three on the board because we we desperately need it. Uh, my starting eleven for the next game. Um, 
In fact, let's talk about that starting 11 because I feel that Glenn Murray had an excellent game uh, for the 20 minutes he was on um, against Everton. I thought he played incredibly well. He could have had two goals, actually. Uh, he was unlucky not to. You know, that first header was excellent. Um, and then the one that just bounced wide was just unbelievably unlucky. Um, he had two shots, one on target, with only six touches of the ball. Uh, I would like us to find a way to play two up front. Um, you know, I think that if we went full old school championship mode um, and played a 4-4-2 with uh, Matt Ryan, Martin Montoya, Lewis Dunk, Adam Webster, Bernardo as our back line. We then play Trossard, Alzate, Pascal Gross. No, that's not right. Trossard, Alzate, proper. Pascal Gross on the right because he actually has done incredibly well there recently. And then Mopai and Murray up front. I think that is a team that puts several goals past Aston Villa. Now, I am not including Aaron Moy in that because he was injured. Um, and I know the way Brighton injuries tend to go. They're out for two weeks and they end up being out for two months. So, of course, if Aaron Moy is available, um, I'm sure the formation would change greatly um, in that case. I think that he is someone who provides that link between um, the back of the midfield to the forward line incredibly well. Um, we've seen it time and time again. And he would have something in, something big to prove against Villa um, after his you know first ever career sending off against them. So he is someone that you've got to hope will be ready, ready and fit to go. Um, but if not, I would I would love to see that four four two. It would be incredibly bizarre to uh, throw it out there. I'm, I'm not sure Villa would ever expect it. Um, I think we'd do really well. I really do. Um, transfer window, nothing doing in the transfer window. We obviously thought that it would be Glenn Murray's last ever um, appearance a couple of weeks ago after the fact that he didn't even get a game against Sheffield Wednesday. And it looks to me like whatever talks were taking place uh, at the beginning of January may have either stalled or fell through a little bit, um, possibly because some of our talks with other strikers have fell off uh, or something else. But we look like we aren't in any rush to get rid of Glenn Murray right now, which is, to me, good news as long as we don't have another striker in. He's someone we should be looking to keep. Um, but you've still got to anticipate that he will probably be on his way this January transfer window. Um, Max Sanders has just uh, lengthened his loan at AFC Wimbledon. Um, not sure how he's playing there, uh, so I can't really review how he's doing. Um I'm sure there's no AFC Wimbledon fans that listen to this, so I would ask for your opinion, but I'm sure no one's listening. So I'm just shouting into the void. Um, they don't know where I am or who I am. So if anyone knows an AFC Wimbledon fan, though, and they want to come on uh, and talk about Max Sanders, I would be well up for that. Uh, so let me know. Um, but yeah, we have a lot to do in this transfer window. A, stri a striker is a must. Um, we, we have to sign one. And I know I feel like Brighton fans have been saying this for three years, but we need to sign a striker. We desperately need somebody else to provide that option for Potter um, because Connolly is not fit. He's not staying fit. Um, and then Potter chose to leave him out as a tactical decision yesterday against Everton. 
do not understand that at all. Um, he was that player that I think we were missing yesterday. Um, I think if we'd have played with a line of Connolly, Trossard, and Mopai, I think we may have got more from that game yesterday uh, than we did because I think that Jahanbaksh and Trossard are both too similar um, in the way that they're asked to stay up and not contribute defensively, uh, whereas Connolly will and does. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what, what happens to him next week. I understand we're being careful with him because he's young, uh, but he is showing a lot of promise um and i think he's someone we need to look to make the most of and if we're not then that striker is a must um the big names that we've seen this week that have all been rubbished uh, by the argus you know uh a couple of them but mainly samata um of genk uh not entirely i'm not entirely quick to rush to uh believe in brian owen on that one and i'll tell you why um i'm not entirely sure we're not after samata um, I'm sure he's right in that there may not have been a bid or anything like that. I'm not, you know, I don't know these things, but I will say one thing. Uh, we signed Trossard from the same team. That year, Trossard was second top goal scorer in that team behind Samata. If people truly think that we haven't been watching Samata at the same time as watching Trossard, you're out of your mind. Of course, we've got tabs on him. We have, have to have been watching him. Otherwise, we wouldn't have wanted Trossard. Um, and, you know, if we have made a bid or we do make a bid and we do try and get him in, obviously we think that that's a duo um, that can translate from the Belgian league straight into the Prem. Um, and, you know, if they think that, bring it on. I'm a big fan of his. He's quick. He's very strong. He scores goals. He's still scoring goals, even without his primary assister of Trossard. I would be hugely on the Samata train if we can get him in. Um, him and Mopai up front, my God, there would be goals. We He would be the missing link. I truly believe he would be. Um, I said it in the summer when we signed Trussard that I was I was sad we couldn't do a double deal. Um, and I'm going to say it now too, that if there is any truth in it and any Brighton scout listens to this thing, do whatever you need to do to convince Tony to get his checkbook out because Samata would be a hell of a signing for us and would probably be the answer that everybody has been waiting for. Um, so we will speak again next week um, after the... We will be playing... We will be playing... Villa next week. And then we'll be... We'll be get my words out. We will be playing Villa next week and I'll be recording that one. And then we will be playing Bournemouth and West Ham that following week? Or is there an international break? Let me just check. So we play Everton this week. We play Villa on the 18th, which is a Saturday. Uh, and then we play Bournemouth on the 21st, which is a Tuesday. And then we do not play West Ham until the 2nd. So yes, there is an international break at the end of January. Shit. I hate international breaks so much. So, all right. Well, whatever. Um, well, I'll be covering Villa next weekend. Um, I will be covering Bournemouth the weekend after. So at least it gives us something to do on that January uh, transfer break. That's probably a good thing. Um, and then that following week uh, will be perfect because then we roll straight into West Ham. So I guess at least we've got that weekend game 
or the midweek game to cover us for the for the week in between. So next week uh, we'll be covering Villa, and we will also have uh, another feature with Robin. Um, this one is going to be non-league heroes. So we're going to take a look back at three of our non-league signings um, that may or may not have became. Uh, good signings for us in the past um and you know that's it from me this week so have a good one um as i say all the time if you have any feelings thoughts concerns any feedback any kind of post-match reaction pre-match reaction anything you want to get on this show send it to me it will be on here um we have had a whole host of people send this stuff in you've heard a whole bunch of voices from a whole bunch of places in the world you can be on here too you can give your thoughts and feelings please do if you want to Um, and have a good rest of your week.